This is the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan. And this week, or this Thursday rather, it's just going to be myself, Gary, um, doing this episode. So this is normally the episode where myself and Patty um, answer a question that has been asked by one of our listeners. And this is essentially going to be a very similar format, but Patty's on holidays in Poland this week, so we all hope he is enjoying himself and we would hate to have to take away from his holidays um, because it's actually my fault that we missed this episode because I was hiking on Sunday instead of doing our normal Sunday morning recording. So we actually recorded Monday's episode then and then I'm doing Thursday's episode. So you don't really need to know that. That's for us to worry about. But yeah, it's just going to be me for this episode. And the question I'm going to be answering, or it's more so a topic, I guess, is basically how to be a fit student. Um, because I think that, you know, one of the things that is that I really like personally when people give advice is that I know that they live in the way that they're advising me, you know. And both Paddy and I are students um, and have been for a number of years. And we at least like to think that we do a good job at kind of, you know, balancing or juggling a couple of different things. And I would hope that because you know that I live the life that I'm about to advise you on, it makes it a bit easier to trust that advice. Because it's very easy for someone who is not a student and who does not understand the demands of being a student, no, no different to the demands of, of working or anything else, to give you advice. And I think that's what happens a lot of the time in the fitness industry is that people who maybe just work as online personal trainers and who don't have any skin in the game of being a student or of working um, fixed hours or anything like that, they then give advice. However, they don't necessarily understand the position from which you are asking the question. So with that said, let's get stuck into some of the, the practicalities and some of the, I guess, kind of bigger picture philosophical considerations that I think you should incorporate into your life um, from a quote-unquote mindset perspective, as the cool kids say. So that's pretty much the first thing, is that you need to actually take control of your life. So if you're a student, okay, if you're a student, it can be very easy to be misled or led down the path that is not necessarily the one that you would take if you were not influenced by others. And all of us are influenced by others, okay? There's no way of getting around that. Um, you are a social being, you have a social circle, and the people around you influence you more than you think. However, what you don't want to happen is for that to detract from your overarching goals in life. And this is what we see very often um, happen to people who have health and fitness goals. So they're a student, they're in college, and they're trying to live um, in such a way that is, you know, concordant with the way that other students live, but they're also trying to live this kind of side life in which they're, you know, prepping their meals, they're trying to get to bed on time, they're trying to avoid drinking, they're trying to, you know, go to the gym and stay fit and all this sort of stuff. And there can be some discordance there. No matter how hard you try to keep everything together, sometimes things just slip apart and they won't necessarily work perfectly. So this is where a topic I am very fond of talking about comes in, and that is the topic of trade-offs. And basically, in every area of life, you have to be willing to accept trade-offs. So, to give you a personal example, so at the moment, um, as most of you know, I'm a student, and 
I'm also working with triage methods. So we record these podcasts, we coach our clients online, um, we write different educational um, articles and eBooks, etc. So we've, we've, we do a number of different things, but I also train um, uh, quite a bit of, of resistance training, weight training, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So what I have to do, and uh, like that's before we even consider personal things like my personal relationships and seeing my family, etc. So basically what, what you have to do, or what I have to do then, is to ask myself, what trade-offs am I willing to accept in each of those respective areas? And then... Basically, you have to start to build your lifestyle in accordance with those trade-offs, okay? And what I mean by that is that if you are going to do a number of different things, like for example, if I'm studying, if I'm studying, I'm doing exams, etc., but I'm also trying to train for two different activities, and I'm trying to, you know, have a, a good relationship, and I'm trying to keep all my work with triage so that I can pay my college fees and my rent, etc., then I have to accept that I mightn't reach the best possible grades that I otherwise could in my exams, okay? Now, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm doing well. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely fine, you know? Um, but I know that if I had the extra time, obviously, I could do a lot better, you know? And, and that's something that I always have to keep in mind is that when I do get exam results or when exams are approaching or anything like that, I always know that this is not my full potential. And that can be hard for some people to take, and it would certainly be hard if that was where I really, you know, placed all of my my value or my sense of worth. So if my full sense of worth was put on the grades that I got in college, then it would be very difficult for me to basically see those results and know that this is not my full potential. However, when I know that I am prioritizing the things that I want to study that I think will be of most value to me, so, for example, you know, learning more about the areas that I think will be more relevant in my practice as a doctor, as opposed to learning some of the extra details that may not um, be permissive of me being the, the doctor I want to be, the professional I want to be. If I'm willing, if I think about things in terms of that, in terms of that, then it becomes a bit easier to, you know, accept results that may not be your full potential. Now, that's not to say that it is acceptable for me to just not study and fail my exams. Absolutely not. And I would not be happy with that at all, of course. Um, however, there is going to be some degree of trade-off. So it's a case of me making you know, selections in terms of where I'm going to put most of my interest or my effort in terms of college work, in terms of study, in terms of the subjects that we have. And then that allows me to basically start to tailor my life in accordance with what I actually want. And then that, that, that basically filters out into bigger consideration. So it's not just specific to college. It's also specific to where I spend my time um, when I'm training. Okay. So last semester, I, I, I was getting really into to running a bit more. So I had a number of running goals and I wanted to get better at running and I wanted to do more running. So one of the trade-offs I had to accept was that I don't have enough hours in the day to do all of the training that I'd like. So I was prioritizing my running a bit more. I was prioritizing my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a little bit more. Um, for most of the semester anyway. And then I had to take the, accept the trade-off that I wasn't going to be able to do as much weight training. So I knew that I wasn't going to be reaching my full strength potential or muscle hypertrophy potential in, in that period of time. So again, there is a trade-off there. 
you know, towards the end of the semester, what I had to accept was that I had to put in a bit more time into my studies and that there would be a trade-off there in terms of the time that I could put into, for example, my training, um, into my supplementary reading. So obviously keeping up with things like the exercise science reading that I like to do, um, reading books for leisure, um, for peripheral interests, etc. So basically I had to accept those trade-offs and to place more of my effort into um, studying for that period of time. Then over Christmas, I was obviously able to, you know, ramp up my training a little bit more, spend a bit more time reading about other things. And then as we transition to the semester, again, it's about adjusting my priorities um, in accordance with where I need to put my efforts, which is all based on my values, my goals, etc. So the big overarching theme there is that you need to start to think about your life on your terms. So you need to ask yourself, why are you doing the things that you're doing? And with the time that you're putting into each respective area of your life, does that reflect your actual interests, your actual values, your actual goals? Because if it doesn't, then you have to somewhat um, reconsider exactly why you're delegating so much time to those areas that are of lower priority to you. And that can be difficult and it's not always possible. Um, that's a really key point is that sometimes people think that, you know, you listen to someone like me speak about this stuff and then you think, all right, I'm going to ditch uh, my degree because I don't care about it. However, the you might be doing your final year project right now or you're doing modules that you really don't like, but it's not acceptable for you to just then totally, you know, drop out and ditch the degree if you don't have um, a viable alternative, especially if the degree is likely to give you a leg up in the future. So you also have to consider what's best for your future self as opposed to just trying to do what's fun. And that is the really key distinction is that delegating your time and your effort to different areas of your life is not about how you feel in the moment, because the decisions I make do not necessarily make me feel good in the moment. And that like, I would much rather have lots of, of, we'd all rather have, you know, more free time and time to read and time to do more leisure activities. And I'd love to be able to train more uh, and then, you know, get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'd love to train more times per week. But again, it's those trade-offs. It's all about those trade-offs. And the trade-offs that you accept do not necessarily make you feel good in the moment, but they're what are going to make me into the type of person that I want to be in the future. And that's what it's all about. It's about sacrificing something in the short term so that you can get something more um, in the long term, something that is more in line with what you're actually trying to achieve. And that can only go, you know, a certain length before it becomes unbearable. So what you don't want to do is accept trade-offs that are so great that you don't get to do anything that you enjoy because that just makes your your life, you know, that's just tyranny. That's self-tyranny. Um, and, and a certain amount of that is needed, but you don't want to totally sabotage your own life either. So if you are trying to adopt this mindset of accepting trade-offs and building a life in accordance with, with basically what you want to achieve and your values and your worth, etc., you have to also consider, you know, what you actually enjoy and what allows you to be a good person um, in, in the interim. Because I think you could easily fall into the trap of saying, all right, I want to be like, for example, in my case, right, I want to be a good doctor and I want to be able to write great content for triage and I want to, you know, be a good coach for my clients and this sort of stuff and say, okay, if I want to do all those things, then I can't train because I need to accept that trade-off. However, one, I love training. I love that process of training and there's nothing really that replaces it. Um, but also, 
that training is essentially part of what makes me into the person I am. So for example, with triage, if I didn't train, it would be very difficult for me to advise my clients. You know, it would be very difficult for me to record podcasts like this, trying to give other people advice. It would seem very disingenuous and, and I wouldn't expect people to you know, trust me or to listen to me if I didn't actually train myself or lived the life that I'm telling others that they should probably live. Also, from a health perspective um, in the future, um, for, for, for being the best version of myself for the longest amount of time, training is a necessary thing, just like good nutrition is a necessary thing. So you, you, you have to accept some level of trade-off, but you can't trade off things, or you shouldn't, I think, trade off things that are going to lead to some level of degradation of your quality of life in the future. So there's a certain amount that's acceptable in that, for example, if you're a, if you were, for, for me, like, let's say, I obviously have quite a high level of stress. Um, like stress is obviously something that could potentially compromise my health. It can compromise my recovery from training and things like that. But that is something that I view as an acceptable trade-off in the short term. Um, whereas if I was to just not train at all, not eat well at all, I think that is when things start to become a bit more of a problem because basically you're, you're sacrificing your basic, um, needs for health and quality of life, um, and getting nothing in return for that other than potentially a bit more time, which may not be as well spent because you're not taking care of your basic health and you can't be your best self anyway. So, to summarize all of that, I'm pretty sure there are some useful things in there for people, but to summarize all of that, the key consideration there is, is all about asking yourself, how should I be setting up my life? And to know how you, you should set up your life, you need to know what your priorities are. So you need to take the different areas of, into which you invest your time at the moment, and you need to basically prioritize them and discriminate between them. And you need to then allocate a certain amount of time in line with the order of priority. And that, that's not necessarily always um, a, a time equivalent thing. You know, for example, training might be a really high priority, but you also need to work. You might work eight hours a day, but obviously you're not going to train eight hour, hours per day. So you have to be reasonable when you're thinking of this stuff. Um, but it's about it's about starting to shape that life that's going to, to, to make you the person that you're trying to be. And that is essentially then what brings us back to this topic of health and fitness. And the reason I started with a more kind of broad sweeping discussion is because I hope that it gives you some insight into how I make these decisions, you know, um, an applied example again would be, I, I partake in, in college in the, I, I'm in the emergency, the emergency medicine society, basically what they run is something called sim wars and it's an emergency medicine um, simulation. Um, it's basically emergency medicine simulation training, but you compete against other, other teams within your college um, and against other colleges. So last night I was training for two hours um, with that, and we're going to be doing that one to two times per week up until March, um, because I was also doing it in semester one, and our team basically got through to nationals. So we're continuing to train for that a number of times per week. And the thing about that that is interesting, and the reason I wanted to touch on it, because I think it's a good example, a good illustration of this concept, is that it's not part of college in that I'm not graded for it. But what it does do is it builds the skills and the, yeah, the skills basically, and some of the knowledge that is actually more necessary for the practice of clinical medicine in the future. So there are things that will hopefully 
stand to me when I'm actually working, when I'm a professional in a number of years' time that don't necessarily contribute to my grades at the moment. And that's an important thing to, to actually acknowledge because if I'm taking two to four hours out of my week, that's two to four hours out of my week that could be spent on study that directly contributes to my grades and hence I get better grades. But if you're getting lost in grades and you're getting lost in these proxy surrogate markers at the expense of time that could be going into things that actually contribute to the things you care about, then that's not necessarily correct in terms of the order of, of priorities. Now, if I was failing my exams, yeah, of course, that would be a different consideration. But the point there being, I make that trade-off in terms of the time that I could be studying to get better grades, to spend time on things that are actually more equivalent to real-world practice that make me a, a better person in the future. So sacrificing that short-term, you know, maybe 5%, let's say, in one of my grades for the long term of being more equipped as a professional and developing the, the skills that won't necessarily be developed in the classroom. So I think that's a good illustration of how to start making these decisions. And I, I totally appreciate that it can be hard because everyone wants to, you know, be their best at absolutely everything. But, you know, being an adult and being mature is about accepting that you, you, you can be you, you can be good and you can be better at some things um, and you can be really, really good at a lot of things, but you can't be the best at everything. And that, that's just very unlikely, um, especially if best doesn't necessarily translate to something in the real world. You know, for example, you could get 97% in your uh, pathology exam in, in year one of, of medicine or your anatomy exam, but it might necessarily make you a better practitioner than someone who got 85%, for example, if they were spending their time practicing some of the practical elements um, of medicine. And obviously, there are specific considerations to, to my life. It may not be relevant to you, but I think they'll give you some things that are worth chewing on for a while. So bringing it back to health and fitness, my point here being that if you are a student or if you are a busy person with a, a job or you've got kids or whatever, you have to accept that there are going to be a certain amount of trade-offs. And the reason I spent so much time talking about that is because you need to learn to build that life for yourself. And what you then need to do is recognize that comparing yourself to others and trying to build your life structure on the framework developed by others can lead you quite astray. You know, I would never expect someone to build their life based on my life because there's clearly a lot of very specific things that go into determining why I live the way I live. So when you're following someone on social media and you see the way that they train, you shouldn't just copy that because they may be willing to accept different trade-offs than you're willing to accept. One example of that would be in the case of nutrition. So in the case of nutrition, um, someone who is you know, totally invested in nothing but their goals, and that's it, it's all health and fitness, they may be willing to eat really bland foods all the time, prepare all of their meals, and that may work perfectly for them. But they may be willing to accept that trade-off of not going out for meals with family, not going out for meals with their significant other, not meeting friends for coffee and a muffin or whatever, or eating their favorite foods. They're willing to accept those trade-offs. You don't have to be willing to accept those trade-offs. I'm not willing to accept those trade-offs. You know, I like cookies. <laughs> I like baked goods. I like to eat pizza. I like ice cream. Um, I like a lot. I like chocolate. I like a lot of foods. Um, they're some of my favorite foods. And I would not, I would not at this point 
be, be willing to accept the trade-off of not eating those foods <laughs> because I know that there are ways that I can start to filter some of those things into my dietary approach while still being healthy and still being fit and still being in good shape. And and yeah, I'm just going to take a sip of my coffee for two seconds um, and then I'll continue. The point there being that if you are following people on social media, you have to ask yourself this question of, I wonder what trade-offs they're accepting. And I wonder if I'm willing to accept the same trade-offs. Okay. So that's just a dietary example. A training example would be very, um, would be very similar. So for example, if you are a student and you want to increase your grades, so you've been getting C's and B's and you're like, that's not acceptable. I want to get A's. All right. You want to get the first class honors, let's say, then you may have to study for a couple of extra hours per week. So let's say currently you're in college nine to six. Let's just give that as an example. You may be off for an hour or two here and there, but you're not doing all that much. You're sitting around having coffee. I know how it is, all right? So you you, you need to increase your grades by quite a bit. Let's say you need to add in an additional two hours of study. Um, normally from six to nine p.m. before you go to bed, you like to relax. You like to watch some Netflix. You like to chill out and you normally train in the mornings you may not be willing to accept that trade-off after 6 p.m because you're too tired at the end of your day that's absolutely fine and you normally train in the mornings okay so you normally train in the mornings from let's say i don't know seven half seven to half eight but when you start to look at where you're going to filter in some of that extra study you need to you need you're, you want to add it into six to seven p.m so that's one hour um, and 6 to 7 a.m. So you decided, I'm going to accept an hour trade-off in the evening, but nothing more than that. I can't do more than that. That's fine. And you accept an hour trade-off in the morning, where I'm going to I'm gonna make sure I'm up on time, I'm going to do that work, I'm going to study, and you get an hour done in the morning. As a result, you cannot lengthen your workout. So basically, you've got that hour in the morning from half seven to half eight, and you're like, that's it, I'm done. But then you see your favorite Instagram influencer putting up this program that takes two hours to complete. And you think to yourself, if I want to be the strongest, fittest, most muscular version of myself, I've got to train for two hours. But that's when you start to encounter that trade-off. You know, do I accept the trade-off of not improving my grades up to the level that I want? Or do I accept the trade-off of maybe a couple of percent extra gains in muscle mass or strength as a result of completing this workout? So you got to decide between that extra hour of training and that extra hour of study. And the thing is, that is for you to decide. And I'm not going to tell you whether or not you need to do that. You know, that extra hour of training versus from one hour to two hours, the gains are questionable. It depends on, the, on how serious you're taking your goals. Similarly, that hour of study, you know, how effective is it going to be? That's all on you. And that's what being an adult and being mature is about. It's about recognizing that I can't have everything and I have to accept some degree of trade-offs. So that's a lot on trade-offs. And I think it should give you a lot to think about. But now what I would like to do is give you some more of the practical, actionable tips and strategies that you will begin to see are very much linked with what we have discussed up to this point. So let's start off by talking about training, okay? So when you're starting to think about being a fit version of yourself, it obviously depends on what the level at which you are starting, okay? If you're someone that's listening to this podcast, 
maybe you just found it because you're a student and you don't normally listen to our podcast. I don't know, maybe you're someone in my class or something that was like, oh, I want to see what Gary's saying about college. Or, I don't know, you're in Paddy's class and you're like, oh, triage, have a, a student podcast, right? Whatever level you're at, you have to you have to basically start there, okay? So if you are someone who is an inactive student, you normally sit down all day and you don't really do much. You just study, you're sitting around watching Netflix, you're wasting time scrolling your phone, and you get, let's say, two to 3,000 steps per day then you know what a really good improvement would be just for you would be to take a few walks during the day. That would be fantastic. And what you could do from there is, you know, once you've increased your steps, right, you're at six, eight, 10,000, fantastic. You're way more active now. What you could do from then, you know, you know, you've taken some of those health benefits, but you know that you're not really going to build any muscle from that. You're not going to get stronger from that, really. Um, you're not going to get a massive increase in fitness from that. But, you know, you're, you're in the right direction. You could start to say to yourself, right, you know what? I'm going to take 15 minutes every morning and I'm going to do a workout in my room. Boom. Simple, right? You're just going to work out in your room. What you do is you get up out of the bed in the morning, you know, you, you have your quick cup of coffee or a glass of water or whatever. You go back into your room and you do some push-ups against your desk. You do some burpees. You do a couple of jump jack, jumping jacks. Um, you do some mountain climbers. You do some bodyweight squats. You do some lunges. And before you know it, 15 minutes is done. Boom. You've nailed a 15-minute workout. That's absolutely fantastic. And if every student did that, they'd feel much, much better for it. And everyone would be much more in the direction of, of being stronger, of being fitter. Because you can get a lot done in 15 minutes. If you do that seven days per week, that's, that's a lot of training, man. I'd be happy to see a lot of people do that. So, that's kind of step one. So there are your initial steps. You're starting to get more active. You're starting to, you know, include some of those shorter workouts in your mornings. Now, I imagine a lot of people that listen to this podcast regularly are, are far beyond that point and you're training more regularly. So obviously it becomes a bit more nuanced in terms of trying to fit in your training. So you are that student, let's say you've been working, now we're at the level of the more advanced, the more intermediate trainee who's been training for a while you're basically at the point where ooh, college, it's it's crunching down on me, man. You've got projects, you've got assignments, you've got exams, but you previously trained five days per week. You always had infinite amount of time in the gym, but you can't squeeze that in anymore. So instead of doing your longer workouts where you're kind of, uh, you know, you're resting kind of ad libitum between sets, you're scrolling on your phone, etc. What you start to do is you tighten up your workouts. You, you start to trim time off them. So if your workouts are between 90 and 120 minutes, let's say, it should be very easy for most people to get a really solid workout in between 45 and 60 minutes. So what you might do is you look at your workout and you say, okay, what exercises really contribute to most of my progress? So for example, if you're a, if you're a guy, let's say, and you already have a pretty well-developed back and you're like, you know what? I actually just want bigger shoulders and arms now. Like that, that's what I'm after, bro. Like that's what I'm in for. Then what you might do is you might say to yourself, okay, I'm currently doing quite a bit, a bit of volume for back. I'm doing 20 sets per week for my back muscles. I could probably pull that down to 10 and maintain very easily. So you've taken 10 sets off your workout. So you pull that off. Boom, that's done. Then you say, what's the story with the lower body? Like, I'm, I'm training my calves, but do I really care about my calves? P.S. You should calves best muscle group but <laughs> but anyway uh right you're doing eight sets of calves per week you're throwing them at the end of your workout you're kind of doing them half hours cut them off if you don't want to train them like that's fine same with something like right you love squatting you love deadlifting but you do all these additional lunges and hamstring curls etc but 
you just want to be strong at the squat and deadlift and that's about it you just kind of you're happy enough to just tip away at those you can maybe pull out a set or two of those exercises a set or two of that supplementary work and still continue to make progress so you start by trimming off accessory exercises and then what you start to do is you start to trim down your rest periods or at least standardize them so maybe for your longer or your more demanding sets such as your deadlifts your squats etc you do allow yourself a longer rest period but then what you do is you you still standardize that so you might say all right i want it to be three minutes so instead of like letting it leak out to four five six seven as you go to the bathroom and you're scrolling your phone or you're talking to others you have your watch on you click three minutes you're like boom right i'm resting and then you get back into your set then for some of the other exercises you say all right i'm gonna give myself 60 to 120 seconds and you time that and you will be so surprised if you start to time your workouts how much you can actually trim off them so all of that starts to bring you towards that 45 to 60 minute workout that should be very easy for people to fit in maybe like three, four or five times a week. Like if you're getting three of those workouts in a week, you're undoubtedly going to maintain your muscle no matter how well developed you are. Um, and you can definitely still begin to make some progress if you're not super advanced. Like most people can do well with three days per week, four days per week, you're still going to be able to make some progress. Um so yeah, you've trimmed off most things then. And if you're really stuck, what you could start to do is include some kind of intensity boosting techniques. For example, a um, something like a rest pause set. So instead of doing four sets of 12 on your bicep curls at the end of your workout, what you do is you do two sets of 20 with a rest pause. So you take your 12 to 15 rep max, you do 12 to 15 reps, you hit failure, you rest for 5 to 10 seconds, you crank out 2 or 3 more, you rest for 5 to 10 seconds, and you crank out 2 or 3 more, basically until you get to 20, and then you repeat that twice. And that will take you a much shorter period of time than those 4 sets of 12 would, while still allowing you to get in a lot of you know high quality, tough, tough effort um, reps. So, so yeah, that's a way of intensifying your training into a shorter period of time. So that can be a, a very, very useful strategy. So point there being, you know, there are many ways to trim off your training. Um, and, and I basically think we can, we can kind of leave it there in terms of the actual training considerations, because you should have a lot to think about there in terms of the trade-offs. Like that gives you so much to think about in terms of your training. Like I would be reviewing my program. I'd be saying, what do I need? What do I not need? What is my priority? Instead of trying to train everything, with the same level of volume, with 20, 30 sets per week, train the things that really matter to you with that level of volume. And maybe then when you have more free time during the summer, you can begin to train other other things with a similar level of volume. Um, so yeah, it, it's all about making those decisions for yourself. Um, from a nutrition perspective, things you know are, are pretty much very similar in that you have to be realistic with what you're going to be able to do. So if you're a student, you probably don't have the most money in the world. I'm going to take another sip of my coffee. You probably don't have the most money in the world. So you have to be kind of economical with your with your budget, basically. Um, you know, instead of trying to emulate what your organic food gurus on Instagram <laughs> buy and, and prepare you start to just become a bit more of a minimalist. And I would say I'm very much a, a minimalist when it comes to the types of food that, that I cook and that I prepare. Like at the moment, to be honest, I actually buy my lunch in college because it saves me time and it's not that it's not that much in terms of cost. So I pay between four euros and four fifty for my for my lunch every day, but it's a, a pretty massive feed, you know, and at the moment I get I just basically go to the salad bar, they let you cramp as much as you possibly can into the box. 
Um, and then I have a big massive salad with loads of beans and veg and all sorts of things. Um, and that kind of sorts me out um, because it can still be quite calorie dense depending on the salads that I get. Um, or else I'll get, you know, a student special meal, which is like, you know, a proper dinner and a bowl of soup and a roll. And boom, that's a heap of calories that I've got for just like four to 450. So if you do have those options available to you, that's a good choice um, because you don't have to go real fancy and, you know, worry about everything being organic and being home prepared and stuff like, again, it's about accepting some trade-offs, okay? Not all of your meals are going to be perfect. They're not all going to be Instagrammable, but they can still be helpful within the context of a calorie-appropriate, macronutrient-appropriate diet with plenty of nutrients, etc. So, the typical nutrition advice that we always talk about still applies here. So, you know, you're trying to get in lots of fruits and vegetables, but how are you going to get that in as a student, right? Firstly, you stop being a pretentious fuck and trying to buy organic and everything fresh, right? Frozen veg and frozen fruit is absolutely fantastic. I get a bag of frozen blueberries, 500 grams for like 99 cent, all right? I get them all the time. So I have like 150 to 200 grams in my bowl of porridge every morning. So cheap, so cheap, 99 cent um, for 500 grams, whereas you'd normally pay, I think, is it at least three euros for about 125 to 150 grams of fresh blueberries. So like they're... Like, why would you not go for the frozen berries? Um, people just have this kind of superiority idea of like, oh, everything that is fresh is always better. Whereas like things that are flash frozen are absolutely helpful and you do not need to be stressing about those types of things. So buy frozen fruit, buy frozen vegetables. The same thing applies. If you buy a kilo of broccoli for florets in Aldi or Little, you probably get them for 99 cent. Um, and that's a kilo of broccoli. Whereas if you were to buy a broccoli head, which is 500 grams, 150 grams of which you waste because you throw it into the bin, you're getting 350 grams of broccoli. Most of the time they go off in people's fridges. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, again, a frozen veg is a fantastic option there. And then basically you can make it your meals real simple. You pop some of that veg into the pan in the morning while you're showering. You hop into the shower. You come out. The veg is starting to defrost. You could have put it in the microwave. You throw in a few beans. Again, super cheap. Kidney beans, they're like 29 cent. And then you throw in um, throw in some mince or some turkey mince um, or some eggs or whatever you want to do. And again, it just all cooks in the pan and boom, it's done in a few minutes. And it's a very simple meal. So it's about trying to simplify things for yourself in terms of budget and in terms of like the actual preparation that is required. Because you don't want to be spending hours per day cooking. You know, you don't want to be preparing every single meal and making everything real fancy and all these different spices. Like, like that's absolutely fine if you have the time. And I have some clients who do that and I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely fantastic. Fair play. But for a lot of my clients, they're like, look, like I'm, you know, I just want to, I want to have food that, you know, kind of tastes good, that is nutritious and that's quick to prepare because I'm busy. And like, that is all about simplifying things for yourself. So maybe on the weekends or in the evenings when you have a bit more time, you can try out some more fancy recipes. But when you're trying to save time, you're trying to make things simple for yourself, you're trying to make things cheap, you can be a bit more of a minimalist and like another the key point that I that I also already brought up is to not be a food elitist you know a lot of people can be quite like that when it comes to health and fitness because we think we're better than others if we're consuming organic foods and we're consuming the most diverse diet in the world um all these rare vegetables and like that's really great um, and I've definitely had periods of time where I've kind of gone through those phases but I always end up coming back to basics I always end up coming back to my 
bit of frozen veg, my bit of mince, my bit of <laughs> kidney beans or butter beans or chickpeas or whatever. And like there's meals that are cheap, they're simple, they're quick. And like that's what being a student or being a busy person is all about. You're just trying to get the job done. Um, of course, like you can make things, you can go much further than this. Like if, if someone was talking about you know, trying to gain weight and it's all about getting in more calories, then you might have more specific considerations like, you know, how can I make a really high calorie meal that is also cheap? And that's where things like oats, you know, really cheap uh, for a a bag of our porridge oats, oats, you know, a store brand, peanut butter, um, what else might you want to have in there? Some honey, some dark chocolate, some whey protein, some whole milk. If you have like smoothies or, or, um, you could call them milkshakes, shakes, um, where you're basically just blending up all, you know, oats, whey, milk, fruit. They can be quite tasty and they can be very calorie dense. And you could grab that in the morning on the way to your lecture and boom, it's very easy to to basically flatten down. Um, so yeah, you know, as I'm, as I'm kind of saying, there's a, we could go into so many specifics on this stuff. And I think if you do have more specific questions about any considerations as a student, I would love to answer them. But my goal overall with this podcast, with this episode, was to touch on the basic conceptual ideas of accepting trade-offs, of stop, of, of, of ditching perfectionism, because that's ultimately what's going to allow you um, to be, you know, the best version of yourself in the long term. Because perfectionism definitely has its place, but not when it comes at the expense of consistency. And that's what I tend to see most often is that People will start from weeks one to four of the semester with this perfect plan of how they're going to stay fit and eat well, etc. But come week four, it's gone. So why not be the person who says, I'm going to do 80 to 90% of the things that I could do with nutrition and training really well. And then those other 10 to 20, 20%, I'm like, meh, it's probably not too much of a, a bother. And even 80 to 90% is a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, it's probably a much smaller percentage percentage of things that really, really matter. Because like from a health perspective and a body composition perspective, me throwing my, you know, my mince into, into a pan with, you know, ch- chickpeas and kidney beans and, and um, frozen veg and cooking it really quickly and scoffing it down, there's not much of a difference there in terms of like actual healthfulness between that and the person who's spending, you know, an hour chopping all their fresh veg, chopping up their meat, seasoning their meat, etc. Like you're not going to have much of a difference there in terms of like actual health outcomes because those minutiae don't tend to be the things that really move the needle for most people. For most people, what we need to focus on is, all right, can we eat more fruit and veg in the diet? All right, could if you're training and you want to manage your satiety a bit better, could you maybe eat a bit more protein? Um, could we maybe not get three croissants for breakfast and maybe... I don't know, have a couple of eggs instead, um, you know, or have, you know, a bit of eggs, uh, toast and an apple, you know, and it just, it's just those simple things for most people. So, um, as I said, any further questions, guys, please do not hesitate to ask. I like talking about this stuff. I really enjoy it. And especially the kind of the bigger picture, like what people call mindset, you could say I was talking at the, about at the start about just asking yourself what trade-offs you are willing to accept because ultimately like it is your choice and you're getting one day closer to death um, every day and the, like the time is always is always ticking and this is something I remind myself of all the time it can sound quite cheesy but the time is always ticking and you are always getting closer to your death so if you're allowing other people to dictate 
how you live your life. Like, for example, you're just trying to emulate the lives of others. Or if you're just living like a robot, which I think is the way a lot of people live, then you're never really going to become your best self. And that sort of robot life is one that scares me, where people waste hours and hours and hours of their day scrolling on their phone, scrolling on Facebook, scrolling on Twitter, scrolling on Instagram, doing nothing but consuming. It's all consumption, where there's no investment, there's no production, it's just consumption. And you're basically just constantly relying on your feelings within the moment, as opposed to trying to actually build something for yourself. And there's obviously some degree of pain and suffering that goes along with that, but that's the responsibility of life. Like that what your basic responsibility is, you know, or I'm, I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to try and make me a better person. I'm going to try to make the world better for the people around me and then other people in the world. And I'm going to contribute something of value and, you know, not just remain a, a man child forever. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to be that person. And I think that is sort of what stops a lot of people from, from pursuing these things because you could very easily replace the time that you scroll on Instagram with time in the gym and Jesus Christ, you'd be a fit, strong person. Because I think most of, of the, at least from what I've read, I think the average time that, that people, at least around my age, I think, spend on their phone is up to like five hours per day. Like five hours per day is a, <laughs> it's a lot of time to be on your phone. Like if I had five hours per day and you just like you, you give the, those five hours to, per day for someone to someone, like you can get a degree with that five hours per day. You could work an extra job with that. You could, like, you don't even need to train that much. Like, no one needs to train that much. Like, you could be, if you were an elite athlete, but, like, you have so much time there that is basically replaceable, that you could replace with things that actually make your life better. And I say this a lot of a lot of the time, um, but, you know, if my work um, career somewhat was not dependent on social media, I would not use social media, Okay. Like, yeah, I really enjoy, you know, posting pictures from, you know, Belarus and from, you know, maybe some stuff from my training every now and then, you know, and people get value out of that. And people say, oh, yeah, I love when you post your pictures from Belarus. It always makes me so happy. Put a smile on my face. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that's cool. That's nice. Like, it's always nice to hear that stuff. But the, all that stuff alone and, you know, I, I would not use social media if it was not my actual job. So like putting out, putting out information such as like the Instagram stories and, and, you know, making people aware of our podcast and our information, etc. Like that's part of my job. But if it wasn't, if I was not using social media for a production purpose, then I would not be using it. And I think that should tell you a lot. Um, last semester, I took six to eight weeks off of Instagram totally. And like that saved me a lot of time. It allowed me to put more time into other things. But again, I had to accept that bit of a trade-off where I mightn't make as much um, in terms of actual, you know, income and triage, mightn't have we might we mightn't have as much clients because obviously social media is part of building that awareness. So again, it's another case of accepting some degree of a trade off. But for most people, it's actually not much of a trade off at all because if you are not dependent on social media for your income, or at least it's not beneficial for your income, um, or for some other area of your life that that is of value, then you're really just using it for consumption purposes and all of that consumption takes away from time that you could be investing into yourself. So that would be my message to you because I think, I think, um, I'm not one of these people who's like anti social media and technology, but, um, it's definitely something that I think is taken away from the lives of a lot of people. So that's one area 
that is not training or nutrition specific that could really improve your health and fitness outcomes um, and help you to live a better life as a student, help you to get better grades, help you to become a better person, help you to stop becoming so reactive about stupid political um, stuff. <laughs> like, um, And yeah, guys, I'm going to close it off there. Um, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode. And you probably don't appreciate how difficult it is to speak for, I don't know how long this was, maybe like an hour, maybe a bit on there, speak without basically taking a break for that long. <laughs> um, that's why the podcasts are normally a bit easier to, to uh, oh, I said, ah, I was trying to not use filler words throughout this episode. Um, but yeah, the, these podcasts, normally we have a break, you know, where I can think about what I'm going to say next as Patty's speaking and, you know, I'm trying to listen to what he's saying and he's giving me ideas and yeah. There we go, guys. Obviously, you know the deal at this point. If you are interested in engaging with any of our services at Triage Method, we are currently accepting online coaching clients. We're currently accepting group coaching clients. Uh, so if you'd like to join the male or female group coaching service, you can get involved at the link in the description below. Um, you could also engage with our ebooks or program templates. Um, if you go to the bookstore, you can check those out. And of course, you can follow us on various social media platforms. The best thing you could do would be to join the Triage Method community on Facebook. That is where we have productive conversations, where people ask questions, where people post training clips, and where we keep you up to date on any maybe interesting papers or anything we're reading. And you should definitely be joining the Triage Method newsletter, which is where we share every Sunday content that we have posted throughout the week, um, including these podcasts, including other posts on social media, including any testimonials that we've gotten from our clients, but also recommended resources from around the internet, around bookstores, around the podcast world that we think will be of interest to you. Um, and yeah, we're obviously available on other social media platforms and you can probably follow myself, Skinny Gaz, or Patty Farrell, the real Patty Farrell on Instagram. Um, although I think I might do another Instagram break very soon because, you know, it's all about practicing what you preach. And I just told you guys that Instagram is something that you probably shouldn't be investing a lot of your time into. And I think if I can get away with it, I would like to take another break to spend more time um, on the production side of life as opposed to getting caught up in consumption. So thank you very much for listening, guys. It's been my absolute pleasure. And um, remember that it is too easy. And because it's just me, of course, be happy. <laughs>